0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. This pine tar for breakfast is brought to you by McDonald's open and ready to serve your favorites. Whenever you're ready, swing by their drive through at participating McDonald's. Today is a special day. I have Chad Durbin coming on pine tar for breakfast. That's right. 2008 world series champion reliever. Set to join me on another great episode, or average to best, I don't know, of Pintar for Breakfast. In the air to left field, going back on it, it is gone!
1: Kevin Francis sends everybody home! Balls Coming, Coming down! down. Another episode of
0: Pine Tar for Breakfast. I am your host, Kevin Franzen. I am your radio broadcaster for the Philadelphia Phillies. And, I don't know, today was a good day. Woke up, and I knew I had someone that I was going to be interviewing today. His name's Chad Durbin, one of my favorite teammates I've ever come across. And for Phillies fans, one that is memorable because he's a part of the 2008 World Series championship team. And also the 09. National League pennant winning team. So, why not? Let's do it. Let's bring on the 2008 World Series
1: champion
0: reliever, 14-year big leader, Chad Durbin. Durbs, what's up, buddy?
1: What is happening, man? It is good to be on with you.
0: Is it? Are you really, like, excited? It's like one of those days
1: where you're just like, man, I finally
0: made it. I'm here.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. I have this coupled with some kind of simulation they did with the 2008-1980 World Series teams playing each other, and yep. I did not give up a run in the simulation.
0: Well, okay, but. so let's go there
1: because you know me. I don't have
0: a roadmap for anything. Uh, at, at any point during this time, as as we've all been in quarantine and, and you know at home and doing things – how much of the World Series have you watched, number one? And number two, how over the old games, because you know all the results, are you are you of any sport right now, of watching them and and just wanting the real thing?
1: So I have not watched any of the 08 World Series, to be honest. And and it's a, I, the fact that you just brought it up means I'm going to uh, watch some of that over the next couple of days. Uh, I do have a 12 year old son who will absolutely troll me if I do. Um, <laughs> Hey dad, did you, did you play baseball? I mean, he's, he's, he'll, he'll get me, I, but I'll make sure I'm in full Phillies gear while I do it. So, you know, at least he knows he knows. Yeah. Um, but you know, so I haven't watched any of that, but I have watched, I have been able to see like the 93 Phillies, the 80 fill. I've been able to see Michael Jack Schmidt hit his 500th and, yeah. you know, God rest his soul, Harry Callis, who, um, you know, the, the, the anniversary of him dying, um, and pass away. The, it was the other day and they had, um, some highlights and, and man, you know, just listening to his voice again and, and all that stuff, you know, meant a lot to me. So, I, I have, uh, you know, I've gone all over the map. Now, live TV is what we're all craving. We're, we're, we're craving live sports. The closest thing that I've come to live sports is The Last Dance, Michael oh. Jordan and the Bulls. I Bro, mean, you want to How wanna awesome talk, was that? Oh, oh, my God. It was the fastest two hours of my life. Right? And here's, was, here's the thing
0: is that, like, people, what I love is that the generation, like your son, like, he's 12 years old they're going to grow up thinking LeBron was the greatest, you know, because that's what's in front of them. Uh, mm-hmm. By the way, Jordan, like Kobe was trying to be like Jordan. He never topped Jordan. Kobe was amazing. Was but he close. never topped Jordan. It was darn and, close. And, but and, and for people it. to say like, oh, Kobe's the best or LeBron's the best or Kareem mm-hmm. or Will, well, the, take the big man out of it because they're
1: separate game. Jordan is the coolest, best thing that we've ever seen. I try to explain it like this. When I watch LeBron, I recognize the physical, emotional, mental talent. Like, it's all there, man. He is one of the best. You know, and people that say he's the best, they have an argument. They just don't have – like, Kobe made me feel, but he didn't make me feel like Michael Jordan did. Mm -hmm. Like, Michael Jordan changed the way that I played any sport. He changed the way that I played – board games. He changed the way I went about like my attitude towards competitiveness in general. And and I grew up in Illinois till I was 12 before we moved down to to you know Louisiana. And for me it was Bulls, Bears with Walter Payton and 85 team and and Ryan Sandberg and the Cubs. And and so early on it was, you know, Ryan Sandberg and Rick Sutcliffe and Leon Durham and, and Fergie Jenkins and all these guys and then Michael Jordan came on the scene in my life. I mean, Walter Payton was great. The fridge was cool. Didka, all that stuff. Michael Didca. Jordan put him, Ditka, uh, he put him all in the freaking, you know, he put him in the rear view. And, and I got to see him do, go through the struggle because it was must see TV. You had to watch the Bulls play that night just to see what MJ might do. And the, the, I, I listened to Reggie Miller yesterday, he was on with Dan Patrick. And he was talking about how much he still he loves MJ, but he still hates MJ because of how competitive everything was. The trash talk, the, you know, anything like it was it was it was different. Like Barkley, Bird, you know, Magic, all those guys, they they hated each other on the court. And I'm not saying these guys aren't competitive as hell today, but I just don't see the hatred for the other guy like draymond breeze on somebody and they're like oh man this guy disrespects the sport man if if they had these guys live my 30 years ago i mean they would have lost their jobs
0: oh for sure you know what? what's crazy though is you you think about it uh like jordan like when jordan's admiration or the admiration towards jordan by other players yeah they hated him but they're like when bird comes out and he's like yeah, he's it's God, but he's disguised as Michael Jordan. You're going yes,
1: like, Damn. that's Larry Bird. That's Larry Bird he don't,
0: saying it. You don't hand out compliments. That's one of the toughest SOBs of all time in any sport. That's, is Larry that's Bird. my
1: son's favorite player? When we talk about the best, like he goes straight to Larry Bird. And man, I I tip the hat. I'm like, I you know what? MJ's mine, but I get where you're coming from.
0: <laughs> so okay, so growing up in, in – and you know, the Illinois area and being a, a Bulls fan. All right. And you have, and a Cubs fan and you have the greatness and you hear the shot that he took at the Cubs in, in the interview. And I totally <laughs> forgot about that. It was amazing. He's so, well, it's so good. You know, rebuilding for 42 years, the Cubs, uh, when you look at like Jordan and you guys all wanted to emulate him in that area, we wanted to emulate him out in the West coast. Uh, who, who on like the 08 Phillies? Let's just say the 08 Phillies was most like Jordan. Whether it was the greatness of him, whether it was the competitiveness of him, whether it was just the aura of him. Who was that when it came to the 08 Phillies?
1: Well, that's a great question. And, and thank you, you John. I think I think the <laughs> I think yeah, yeah, it was. That's a solid. Ra- solid ra- we ra- think about rarely I ask the a good question, question right? So. I think that Chase Utley was closest to it in that the expectations based on how hard he worked, what time he got to the yard, what he was doing with his day, the expectations when you walked into the same room with him or walked onto the same field with him were I expect excellence and I hope to God you worked half as hard as I did because I expected of you. I'm not going to take any excuses. That ain't happening. That was the that was his I guess You know, Mo. Everybody knew, like he's he's you know he worked harder than you. He's tougher than you. Um, You know he's going to put in the work and he's going to get it done in the big moment. I think Jimmy Rollins and and Ryan Howard had a a similar um, level of talent that they brought to the table, but I think the, the the real glue there was that Chase was just going. He didn't care what he looked like doing it. Yeah. And I think there's an old Lou Brock quote where he says you know, something about if, if, if you don't care how you look, you know, you know, you're going to, you're going to be tough to beat. But Mm -hmm. if you're worried about how you look, then, you know, I want to play you because I know I can beat you. And I don't think Chase ever worried about what it looked like. You know, you know, he didn't finish his swing. He he didn't throw the ball to first, you know, traditionally well, but he just got stuff done. Um, So I feel like that, was if if somebody spoke up in the locker room there are plenty of guys you're going to stop everything you're doing and listen to but if that guy did it you were going to listen oh, you, were, you it was going to change the way that you went about your day Um, and and I think that was kind of Pat Gillick's gift in putting the roster together was obviously he had some younger kids like you know Cole Hamels and 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 Happ and some guys like that um, who who have had great careers, but they were really young. You had Jamie Moyer and Flash Gordon and, and some older guys, but the core of that team was between, like, 27 and 32. Hmm. And and everybody kind of, I guess, grew up watching Jordan. They grew up, you know, playing the same games, doing the same things, watching the same, uh, you know, TV shows. So a lot of the, the humor that goes on in the locker room was consistent. And um, the chemistry was off the charts, uh, you know. That, that coupled with, you know, Charlie Manuel kind of understanding the pulse of the team, and there was a moment real close to us having um, clinched and, and beaten Washington in that game and, and, and you know, beating the Mets out where he could tell everybody was kind of focused on what kind of money they might make in the offseason mm-hmm. or what that's going to look like because, you know, for me, who I 17 years, I was year to year every year, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of guys were like that or they're creeping up on – you know, maybe getting multi-year deals. And he, he stopped everybody one day and just said, Hey, if you want to get paid and I promise you, I've seen all this happen before with the Indians and, and all that. I've seen it. If you want to get paid, win, hmm. go win. We'll all get paid and you'll get paid more than you deserve. And he was right. Cause there are so many guys from that team that got paid and deservedly. So, and maybe more than they deserve, who cares? But the winning is what stands that test of time.
0: Well, I, I find it funny because you, you we, we talk about Charlie Manuel and the way you you describe it as he already experienced it with the Indians. That's like the Steve Kerr of the last dance, right? Like so if oh, yeah. you're talking about Steve Kerr was there with Jordan, he wins with Jordan, he understands what it's like. You 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 know, he goes to the Spurs, wins, he goes and becomes a GM or he goes and becomes a broadcaster, GM broadcaster again and then what happens he becomes a head coach he had all that experience but he always tied the Warriors of now to the Bulls which is true they were a circus you know the Warriors absolutely well Charlie Manuel saw the circus of the Indians and what people were you know clamoring over because that was a fun team to watch they were dominant obviously didn't win anything but you're like he knew he saw the blueprint of everything and he was able to be like, "Hey, hey, hey, you want you want play? <laughs> what
1: was, the hell? When? <laughs> yeah, um, that that made the most sense to me, and it was perfect timing. Um, I was I was really good through the first five months of the season, and I was running out of gas. I threw a lot I'd never relieved before in my career, and and he had he had recognized that, like you know you, you have a bad game, man, I'm, I'm gonna throw you back out there, you know, yeah, <laughs> you know, and <laughs> you know? well, well, he was he was probably. Looking less and less, uh, you know, at the lineup card and thinking I'm going to throw Durbin in a meaningful inning until maybe he, he recharges the battery a little mm-hmm. bit. But um, he had that feel for what when to say that you know that thing you needed to hear. Uh, he sat Jimmy for not running out balls to first, and I remember thinking that's a really good shortstop um, defensively, and he's you know, our leadoff hitter, and he, I mean he's just. He's a hall of famer potentially like, and we're going to sit him to send a message and I, and, and I get it. Um, and he's, he, because he'd had Manny, because he had Tomy, because he'd had all those different, think about Tomy's about as close as you could get to maybe the chase Utley type work yep. ethic, you know, maybe not as much of a, an enigma because Tommy was so easy to get along with, you know, chase chase is easy to get along with. He just, you know, there's an aura about it, mm-hmm. but you, you had the other side of that coin. Manny is very close to like Jimmy. In that, you know, they're going to do what they want to do for the most part. And you've got to manage that because it works. Because they're going to work out at home, not at the gym. um, Or they're going to work out with a trainer, a personal trainer, and not do it at at 3 o'clock, you know, with the the strength conditioning guy for the team. But it worked for him. And he was healthy. And I mean, so, but he, Charlie did such a good job. Of, of managing that and i think about other guys who are better on tv or better you know uh, in in a room and charlie's great in those rooms but you think about like terry francona mm-hmm. you think about those guys man when they do an interview or when they're on tv they relate so quickly and charlie was like the opposite of that in philly he's like hey look i'm gonna go i'm gonna go give the media what they want and you'd see the interview and you're like oh my god he just trolled them and they have no idea they just think he's a bumpkin and he's just <laughs> as smart or smarter than everybody in the room So uh, there are some brilliance to all that.
0: Do you know what was amazing about Jimmy is that like people always thought like, you know, when it came to media for a long time, they thought that Jimmy would just roll in, which he did. He was like the greatest Superman I've ever seen in my life. As far as getting to the park late and then getting out, it was because he was hitting at his house all day. Yeah. Like people didn't realize the reason why he didn't show up is because he was getting his work done early and doing that. He wasn't late ever. He just did he did it on his own time but he was always that's like you I don't know I'm not going to say the uh, misconceived or anything with, with Jimmy. Jimmy just he had his way about him but he was always working. There was stuff he, that he was
1: doing He knew he day. was working hard, so there was no there was no lack of confidence based on preparation. No. Which I you know, I feel like that's a huge component to cuz there's enough fear you know, weaved into uh, playing baseball. You know, it's constant and it's the management of fear that allows you to go perform freely. Well, a lot of that is, is tied to preparation. I always felt like if I prepared well and I sucked, at least I just sucked. It wasn't because I didn't do the work. Well that, you know, for guys that are as talented as, as him um, and and a lot of the guys on those teams, they all worked hard in their own ways. And, and it's more acceptable now. I think you can agree 2020 people look at things a little different. Um, but back then it was like you better get to the clubhouse at noon for a seven o'clock game, and you better not leave right after the game either. Mm-hmm. And it's a little bit different now. Oh,
0: yeah. You think?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: You think? Well, let me. Okay, so from 07 to '08, you go from Detroit, and you guys were '88 and what? '88 seventy four, I think it was. Yeah, '88 seventy four, Yeah, yeah. So we were. Like we were, were really from good. a Losing situation, but you come no, over to really uh, the Phillies. And this team is coming off an 07 year that was awesome, right? Like, it ended perfect. And that ended – the regular season ended perfect. Uh, Chase had an unbelievable year. Jimmy was the MVP. Ryan's doing what Ryan does. Uh, What was it like for you, coming from the Tigers to the Phillies, even though it was a – you know, from winning situation to winning situation, what was that vibe like?
1: So – Oh, six, the Tigers lost the world series to St. Louis. And I got called up late in that season from Toledo. I threw 200 innings in, in Toledo, uh, which is crazy in five months. But I was having, That's I figured out how to pitch again. I figured out how to compete again. I figured out how to do a lot of things really um, more efficiently. And I came up there and it's Pudge. It's Sean Casey. It's Maglio Ordonez. It's Placido, Polanco. Um, it's Kenny Rogers, Justin Verlander, Gary Sheffield. I mean, it was a loaded roster. Um, And, and Jim Leland and, you know, Wilkie, I mean, Wilkerson, I mean, not not Curtis Wilkerson, we had a Lloyd McClendon and we just had a really loaded staff and, you know, 25 man roster, Brandon Inge, all those guys. And for me, that kind of prepped me for going to Philly in that there wasn't anybody on a roster after being around all those guys. Mm hmm. That were it was it wasn't going to shake my tree when I came up in the league in 99 2000 2001 I was playing against the guys that I you know they were heroes and I'm you know mentally Um so facing Cal Ripken and Albert Bell and you, can't, you know, everybody that we all idolized as young players. Well, when I got back, I was more prepared. So when I, the, the funny thing is, going to Philly, I, I had Jim Leland called me. Dombrowski called me. Guys called me, and they're like, uh, you need to go to the National League. I think it's a better move. You've been in the AL all your life. Um I said, okay, well, you know, I have a couple teams that I really feel like I could add value to. Um, Jim Leland said, go to Pittsburgh. I, I, it's, it's off the radar. You can go build a resume get paid in a couple of years, um, go do this. And, you know, and I said, well, I'm really thinking about going to Philadelphia. And he said, man, it's, it's tough there. Like they, you know, you gotta be you're really mentally tough. And I said, are you telling me that? Cause you don't think I'm mentally tough. And, you know, I, I mean, I, I, I right away. And, and he said, no, no, not at all. In fact, I think you're very mentally tough. I just think that if you don't get off to a good start, they'll just put you to the back of the deck and go get more players because they always have um and they always will. And and you know, it was honest. You got me and I I appreciate every second of it. And uh I ultimately and I got calls from Dave Delucci who played there. I got calls from Todd Jones who played I played with in Detroit. All of them, don't go to Philly. Don't go to Philly. Don't go to Philly. And I I guess for me, I'm built like this. I don't I will not go the same way as the grain. I'm going to go against the grain. And the more people that told me not to go to Philly, the more I said, "You know what? I've been all over the map anyway." I'm going to go to Philly. I want to win. Look how yeah. good this team is. And ultimately what happened is I went there. I met with Gillick and, and, and Pat Gillick and, and Ruben Amaro. We sat in the office and it was just right. Um, I asked him whether or not I would truly be able to compete with a guy on a three-year deal and Adam Eaton. And they said yes, because no, this town won't accept just putting a guy in the fifth spot because he's got a deal. Like they won't, they won't do it. We'll get eaten alive. And, and, I, and I remember like my eyes got big. I'm like, "Oh, uh, the town won't let you do it." <laughs> and and, I, and as you know now, they will WIP and all those, they oh, yeah. will come out and, and they will get you. The sharks are in the water. So um, I see that all now differently, But then it was like, yeah, I'm in. I'm, I'm, I'm at the top of my game. I feel like I can go compete. Um, I, I competed well in 88 wins with, with the Tigers. Let's go. So um, that was an interesting process for me they guaranteed, um, money and I'd never been guaranteed money, um, for the year. Um, so I was You're like, yep. <laughs> I love this. Yep. Yeah. Eaton's got 24 million. I got 900,000, but I'm in, You're let's like, go. I am absolutely in. <laughs> and, in the way it kind of played out, I, I had as good a spring training as I could possibly have. I mean, I shoved it up every, everybody's butts. I was, I was, you know, my stuff was where it needed to be. I outpitched Adam and, and other guys, but what i did I, I guess this is the some maturity that was coming in the first day i knew i was competing one but i went and grabbed adam eaton who's a great great guy and i said we need to be thrown partners and he's like wait i already have one i was like just do me a favor i think it's smart for us to be thrown partners let's make each other better because we're going to be competing and they're going to pin us against each other mm-hmm. um and he's like you know what yeah i'm in i'll do it so we we were throwing partners all year and, um, and he was a, extremely supportive of how well I was doing. I never got to start a game. Um, Charlie um, you know, he grabbed me, Jimmy Williams, they, they grabbed me and said, we need you in the bullpen. We know you came here to start, but I think we can win if you can cover that sixth and some of the seventh inning with these other guys we have in the pen. And I guess that, that the decision that to, to go there ended up not being what I wanted it to be and that I get to go pitch for a team that's going to score nine runs a game I can have a four and a half and win 15 games and my resume looks great. Um, It became less and less about my resume, which goes back to Charlie Mm -hmm. telling us, go win. And once I started cheering on every teammate in every moment and I was no longer in survival mode, it was about winning baseball games. And man, it just jumped off. The the game came back to how it felt when you played 14, you 14 year old travel ball. You know, it was was back to just having fun.
0: You played on successful uh, minor league teams, too.
1: Oh, yeah. We won every step of the way.
0: Right. And and so I think it goes even to there as well, because you're competing, but you're like early on in in the minor leagues. Yeah, you want to get to the big leagues. We all know that, that that's the goal. But let's say like an A ball. You're not you're so far away from it. You're enjoying being around your buddies and winning and kicking everyone's ass. That's like the biggest thing.
1: Oh yes. You wanted, you wanted those for me. I was 18 coming out of the draft. These guys were 22, 23 that I was playing with. So 24, 25, when I was 19, 20 years old, I just wanted their respect. I just wanted them to go, Hey, first game of the playoffs. We want the kid starting us out, you know, and, and, and I was thrilled to do it. And I, I mean, there was something about that step up. It was the same, you know, it's the same a ball teams you've been playing all year, but now this, this is different. Nobody, everybody else is on their way home or, or whatever. They're going to the fall leagues. Or I'm, you know, I'm, we're competing and we won it in Lansing, Michigan. We won it in Wilmington in the Carolina league. We won it in the Texas league. And that same group ended up being, you know, the Beltrons and the Mark Quinns and some other guys that played with uh, the Royals. They ended up you know, leaving us because they were better than us. Um, they ended up getting to the big leagues and winning rookies of the year and stuff. Yeah. Um, but it, and that Kansas city organization was ripe. To go off for a couple of years with Damon Beltron, Jermaine Die, Sweeney, a bunch of guys, and and the the pitching staff was just a couple years behind. Yeah, and and it just didn't line up. But man, I feel like they did a great job. So yeah, the winning there in the minor leagues it made going to the big leagues and not winning it made it sour. You just it, didn't I, understand. Okay, so
0: that, that that's what I was going to ask you: is it did it sour everything? Because when you and I could. I could speak on the position player side. We're very similar as far as our careers always fighting for stuff, right? You had a longer mm-hmm. because, you know, it just happens. The size matters on this thing. But when it comes to the whole thing, I look at you as a grinder, as someone that enjoys mm-hmm. the the winning aspect of the game, but when it comes to survival mode all the time, it takes away from sometimes the 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 viewpoint of, of what the the whole goal is. And the goal is to win. It is. You're, you're like, I can, you almost get to that point of like, I can't do this because if I do this, you know what I mean? But yeah. with a guaranteed deal, like you, you, you the guaranteed money in 08, being able to sit back. Yeah. You had a great team, but it's the first time your mind could go to ease and just be like, I'm pitching and I'm pitching for this winning team.
1: Oh, absolutely. It made, you know, a front door, a comeback sinker to, you know, Beltron or Carlos Delgado or somebody made it easier to throw. And it sounds ridiculous to say it, but you could, because you could make a calculated gamble and the, the, the failure component of it wasn't as heavy a variable. It didn't like, if I give up, if I give up a a home run here, um, you know, I'm not going to get sent down. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lose my job, but, you know, yeah. Risk mitigation is part of pitching and it's part of hitting. It's part of sports. It's part of life. Wait, wait, um,
0: wait, 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 Did you just say risk mitigation? I did. Okay. So I'm going to write this down risk mitigation. I'm going to go look it up afterwards. because uh, <laughs> That is way
1: too much for me. Keep going. <laughs> no, it, it, that, that's how I had to think. Um, you know, and, and I, I learned who not to throw those pitches to. Um, I learned, um, but, I was free to make, you know, I, I could make the appropriate gamble, the, the three two curveball that you throw at, at you know, in, at the high school level because you're like, man, I'm gonna strike the next guy out anyway. Yeah. Um. It just you had more confidence in, you know, in yourself. You had more confidence in the guy behind the plate, the guys behind you in the field. Um. There wasn't it, survival mode. just you, man. You're and you're and you're a little bit angry that things haven't been easier. You're you're a little bit tied up in, I don't want to try, you know, I don't want to throw my third or fourth pitch here, even though it could be a great pitch for me because I can't afford to suck for even a day. Mm. Um, you know, that's that survival mode that I know every guy that is in the minor leagues on his way to the big leagues or guys that are in, in contract years, man, it's there and it's, it's heavy. It weighs on you. The joy of playing well and winning allows you freedom. It is crazy how, that is what happened in 08. It's like I can make these pitches. I know there's a lefty warming up, Scott Ayer or J.C. Romero, and I know there are two lefties coming up. So I'm going to pitch Manny Ramirez or whoever the way I want to pitch him, the way we want to pitch him, instead of, you know, being completely scared to screw up and ultimately squeezing the ball too tight, the butthole slams shut. You can hear it, you know, as <laughs> loud as a clap. And, mm-hmm. and you just don't play the game the way – the game is meant to be played, fearless. Yeah. So, you know, when you're when you're swinging the bat well, it doesn't matter who you're facing. You're, you know, it you're, there's no fear. I know what this guy's trying to do. Unless it was Jamie yeah. Moyer.
0: I could be swinging the bat well and I'm facing Jamie Moyer and I'm getting dominated.
1: <laughs> yes. Hey, he had everybody figured oh, out. Dude, would face, I, the, yeah. okay, would we, face we, the Marlins. We're not talking 08. about me, we're talking about you. Oh, no, hey, he used to laugh because he's like, uh, hey, my next two starts are against the Marlins. And I'm like um, – Okay. And he goes, around the seventh or eighth inning, you're probably going to come into a game that will win in three to one. And I'm like, oh, you're going that good. He goes, no, it's eight right-handed hitters. They're all young and they're all trying to go deep. They're all trying to go bridge. And it ain't happening. Ugla. I mean, you think about it. There were so many good hitters on that team. And he was just like, they can't hit 78, 81, 78, 72. They can't hit it. They don't practice that. Nope. Um, so it, it that, Jamie Moore makes me laugh because he he was like having a pitching coach in the dugout you would walk off the field and he's like hey uh you're just you're going a little faster than you were in the first inning so just slow it slow it down just a little bit oh, a nope. <laughs> hey, jamie McHair. when you
0: when you look at that that 08 team uh and we could talk about so many other teams that you've been on but the, I, I like to focus on the 08 team because winning matters in this world um into mm-hmm. the phillies fans and based on what you guys meant to them when you talk about characters, what's crazy to think is that you only had 18 pitchers log innings that year. 18. Yeah. Which is nuts. insane. To that's about. that health component. Right? The help. Well, not only to that, happen. but, like, the trust, right? The guy, if yeah. guys didn't have a good run going, like, Charlie still – Stuck with you, but he put you in the right situations to go out and succeed. Right? He didn't yes. say, "Oh, we're and, and get Pat Gillick and, and Ruben Amaro Jr." They weren't just sending you out. They they trusted everyone it, it, to a point. Uh, when you look at at, at the characters, because I know Scott Air, I've known him since I was a, 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 a youngster in the Giants organization. One of the funniest <laughs> human beings, uh, J.C. Romero, Brad Lidge, who can talk like no other. Who? Who had the last word? Were you the last word because you could talk? Did Scotty have the last word, or was it
1: Brad Lidge? It depended on when that phone rang. <laughs> <laughs> you, the the bullpen's this unique, uh, you know, ecosystem in itself. And but not when the everyone phone rings, talks
0: like you guys. Not everyone has like the humor and the ability to talk like
1: all of you guys. You know what? That, that, there's something to be said about Brad Lidge's intelligence and and his humor and understanding the dynamics. Madsen was so much fun to be around because you never knew what the guy was going to say or do. Scott Ayer, you know, you, you we had a joke like he would come down and just talk, 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 not stop. And we'd like, Have you taken your pills? Like you, you, you have ADHD, you need pills. Mm. Have you taken your pills? And he no, oh, man, thanks for reminding me. He'd take them. And like 15, <laughs> 20 minutes later, we're like, at least he's, you know, not talking anymore. But <laughs> Zombie. Oh. Um, but yeah, that, that was, uh, you know, that was a lot of the fun of being in that unit down there, just like an infield unit or an outfield unit or, or start no, unit.
0: No, it's not it. I'm going to be honest with you that I spent some time down the bullpens doing some catching after, uh,
1: you know, I'd be out of the games. I'd
0: go down there and stuff. It's not the same. You guys are, you guys are together all the time. We're
1: unregulated.
0: Yeah. Let's go with that. Let's go with that. You're unregulated on the whole thing. And I love the fact that, uh, the bullpen's different. I love the fact that there are relievers on the team because there is an aspect that you guys have where, for the most part, not every guy is the same, but you guys are able to let go of the past very well, and
1: yeah, you have no a close choice.
0: bond. the 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 really good teams, uh, the chemistry that they have within you know the team is one thing, but the chemistry within a pen, I
1: think, is huge. You guys had that. Oh, we had it, yeah, it, and it, and it came. It was like a, a momentum because Lidge was new, I was new, Madsen had been there, but he had been like this you know, uh, you know, starter, reliever, starter, reliever. Um Rudy Sienes was, was a, a big component of it without really pitching much. Yeah. Flash Gordon had been around so long and man, he was just filthy. Um, yeah, tell me about You know, it. You know it, so you got to, yeah, you got to relate to some of the things that um, he, he knew some things that were going to come along. Hey, you're going to run out of gas. You just have to, you know, take take a look at your arsenal and what you can do and what you can't do well as, as your arsenal changes during the year. I mean, he was, he was great. So the guys that were actually part of that were, um, you know, it wasn't just the guys that logged the innings, a lot of innings. But the, as you succeed and as you know you can lean on the guy next to you and, and say a joke in, in a moment that maybe they need to hear that joke, uh, that's what's fun about it. Yes, it's unregulated, but it does – look, gluttons for punishment. I was a starter for nine years and I was a reliever for eight out of 17 years and putting on a cup every day and knowing you might get in a game is fun. You know, the, the starter mentality, man, they get paid really well. And there are some guys that are just built for it. Um, for me mentally, it was so much easier to just let go of you know, the, the last outing or, or build off of what you did the last outing. I just thought it was a lot more fun. Um, and, and it might be some of the things you're talking about, the chemistry, the, the ability to be yourself, mm-hmm. you know, I think you sit in that dugout and I don't, maybe some starters can be themselves. Maybe, you know, maybe they can't, but I never felt like I could crack the jokes. I never felt like I could, you know, say the thing that was going to get guys laughing or, 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 bait somebody into saying something that would get everybody else laughing. You couldn't really do that in the dugout all the time. You had to you know, kind of read the game. Mm-hmm. Well, the bullpen, if we were mic'd up and we were in in 09, um, if you're mic'd up all the time, there are a lot of times you want to say something and it's funny and it's the right time to say it, but you can't say it, you know, around the people, the manager and, and, and bench coaches and other other guys that are taking it on the chin while you're getting some humor out of it. But that's, what's fun about baseball is that, you know, it, it is, but it's people's livelihoods. People are getting paid or not paid based on performance, but it's the Mick Bill Myers and it's the, you know, it's some of the coaches and players that can make you make light of a heavy situation that allows you to go play.
0: Well, how how much how much did Mick play a part of that? Because I mean, for us as Phillies players, we know what Mick Bill, <laughs> Bill Meyer had uh, brought to the table every day. His humor was uncanny. The wit that he had um, was second to none. But you add that to the the group that you had out there. What was that like?
1: So the the combo meal was that he allowed us that environment to just, you know, crack jokes, you know, make fun of each other, you know, make fun of people in the stands, just, you know, laugh at, you know, laugh at a bad route by a center fielder or whatever it is. But he also didn't miss a pitch. Oh, so the big. guy never missed a pitch. So we, I, I've tried to lock in like that and you just, you know, get lost for, you know, a couple hitters. But he would say, hey, uh, do you see the way Doc, you know, maybe intend. you see Doc, uh, you know, went after David Wright and Frank Kuhl right there. You're like, "Uh, damn it. No, (laughs) I didn't. (laughs) Um, I should have been locked in. But when he pitches, sometimes daddy gets off. I don't have to. I don't have to pitch that day. Um, But he wouldn't miss that. He'd be like, hey, he went sinker in four in a row, which means you can probably bait sinker in and go – cut her away yeah um you know you you can build off what he's doing to that guy's swing path and eye, eye eyesight you know with regards to that so he never missed that stuff he he would talk about the way that we're not shifting um you know or whatever it was he was always on top of it but he also in between the 15 seconds in between pitches he was all over everything going on in the stands all i mean his humor was off the charts i mean it is not not made for freaking the the faint of heart sometimes um but it is uh you know his inappropriate humor was great but his, <laughs> his, his appropriate humor was just as good if not better which is crazy yeah hey stick around right
0: for a little bit okay i got some more stuff that i need to talk to you and then we'll uh, we'll get back we got to get to a uh, little commercial break and then we'll, we'll catch you right back here on pint for breakfast with chad durbin my guest
1: We'll be taking your order in the drive through at this time because the safety of our communities and people is our top priority. So if you'd like an Egg McMuffin for breakfast or some fries right now, just because, we'll be here to take your
0: order. Welcome back to Pine Tar for Breakfast at Kevin Franzen on Twitter. I am being joined still by Chad Durbin, gracious enough to stick around after that commercial break. And we were just talking about the bullpen and of the 08 team and their camaraderie and everything. And basically is there, is there one, could you remember, like, I don't, I'm not saying like a prank, but could you remember like one time in 08, like just during the season or even the postseason, where there is something that went on in that pen is I feel like there's something from a, a team every year that's memorable in the pen where you guys did something, you guys, uh, you know, you passed the hat in there, you did. some. I, I don't, I don't,
1: that's every a, team I, is I, different. So in '08, we were playing the Dodgers in the NLCS, and Madsen had thrown – know this was late in the season. We played them in September, and I blurred it in my mind, and I caught myself. We played them in September um, or late August, and Madsen had a day off. He had thrown three in a row or whatever it was. So he went down there, and he's the wrong guy for a team don't 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 tell him he has the day off make him think he might have the day off so yeah. he's down there in tennis shoes no socks you know he's he's just got his pants and his top on and the fans are giving us crap because they know we're probably going to play later you know in the in the postseason and they're all over him they're all over us and and he goes i, I got this i got this and, and he's from um not far from there so he he runs down to the dugout we're like i wonder what dog he's up to and uh, you know Temecula came back. That's where he's from. He comes back and he's like, uh, you know, he's got a jacket on. And and you know how it is. I mean, the marine layer comes in and it gets a little chilly there at night. I, I wouldn't think anything of it. And he starts to poke at the the fans a little bit. He's kind of doing laps right there by the fence, and and they're booing him and talking trash. And he's baiting him, baiting him, baiting him. And then he opens up his jacket, and it's literally got Cheetos. He's got them taped. To the inside of <laughs> his jacket, and he he opens them up like a flasher, oh. and and starts handing out Cheetos to the fans. Oh my God! And he, and he's he's laughing. He was like, Bro, "I'm from around here. They like Cheetos, and I'm just telling you, they're going to be on our side from here on out. I swear to you." Any time that he walked around after that, they they'd start collectively Cheeto Cheeto. Oh my so God. he started, and that that was in L.A. That was in L.A. You like know- they. He got them going and it was fantastic. And that is, it's almost impossible to make happen. Um, how, crazy,
0: how crazy is it to think that, like, that season, right? You played the Dodgers twice in August. You're talking about the series in LA. You guys were four games sweet. You got swept in four games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they came back like a week later to Citizens Bank Park and you swept them and you got a win in that. I mean, that to yeah. me, it just, it, it, the story behind—I I think it's—it's it, it's crazy to think that the story behind that right there alone. You go four and four, but two sweeps at home and road to go to LA and to beat them in the playoffs.
1: Still, <laughs> makes it there. There's amazing. a lot of meat on that bone, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, that was uh, playing there, man. A full house, dude. Dodger Stadium, well, unbelievable. 51, I had to run thousand, in, fifty-five thousand. I—I I can't even remember who started the game. Um, it could have been bland that could have been Moyer. Um, but in the playoffs, Jay hap went out to face a couple lefties, ended up loading the bases with two outs. And at the time, Manny was as hot as any hitter has ever yeah. been. And Charlie had told me, Hey, I know he had success against you early against you in your career, but you aren't, you aren't the same guy anymore. And I had faced him because of those August series, I had faced him four or five times. So I had kind of set him up. I had thrown him nothing but cutters. Because I'm like, man, if he goes deep, oppo, it is what it is. But I'm going to make him have to work to stay through the baseball. And so we get to the playoffs. And and Charlie told me, you're going to face him in August, and you're going to face him again in the playoffs because – you know, in the seventh inning, maybe even the eighth. I'm gonna, I'll run you out there because your game matches up better than Madsen does, Tim. And I'm like, you're crazy. Madsen's filthy. Like, I don't buy. I'm not buying him. But Charlie was, you know, mentally getting me ready for it. So I run in there, bases loaded. It felt like the place was moving, like legitimate earthquake happening while I'm jogging in. Um, and, and it was like it almost, it, it, it kind of my my sense of of uh, you know center was off. I mean, it was it was weird. So I get out there. And 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 Charlie hands me the ball, and and I could see it. Look, you know when your guys are looking at you. I mean, it was Pedro Feliz, Jimmy, um, you know Rhino, and uh, and and Utley, and they're all looking at me like, "Good luck, <laughs> please get this guy out. <laughs> we'd, we'd really appreciate it." Um, and and you know, I I I'm pretty sure it was Ruiz. Uh, I'm Chuch was catching, could have been Coasty. I but again, I, all my focus was strictly on what we're gonna do. And um, it, it, I'm pretty sure it was Chooch, and, and he called the first pitch sinker in, and I was already thinking it. And we threw the sinker in, and he popped it up. I'm talking, barreled it. Dude, mm-hmm. He did not miss it. He just missed the, the launch angle that everybody talks about. He hit it straight up. Pedro Feliz catches it. You know, we get out of the inning, and um, you know, <clears throat> we end up, you know, winning that whole series. We play him again in 0-9. And we faced, I faced Manny again two or three times in the regular season. I, I literally did the same thing outside of throwing some other um, pitches. Well, I, I got the win to clinch the NLCS in 09 doing the same thing. I threw him maybe two or three sinkers. Everything else was almost exclusive cutters away. And he just guessed wrong. And so I, he hit a ground ball back to me uh, again with the bases loaded. I threw it to first. And we ended up winning that game. Um, but it, those were moments that I appreciated – you know, being in a pen like that where we all talked. Like, what are you going to do? How are you going to face him? Well, if you come up in a six-run game and you're facing Manny, maybe you throw him what he's looking for. Mm-hmm. You know, the Greg Maddox stuff. I'm like, ooh, that's yeah. that's next level. I, mean, I don't really want to give up a homer, but, man, a solo, when I know I'm going to face him later on, maybe that won't suck. And he barrels a ball. It's a line out. Yeah, hey, okay, that was the best of both worlds. So, it, it, like, Manny was, you know, a lot of fun because he, he walked out the next day in um in 08 and both both me and Madsen were we we're talking and he goes he just he looked at both of us he's like i got you now i got you and we were kind of we we were, we were kind of laughing but we got to that laugh where the laugh died down we both looked at each other and we we're like uh-oh like what does manny know that we don't know now <laughs> yeah <laughs> we thought we yeah. had him but it was like it was like the funny laugh that just kind of dies out yeah and like, uh-oh. you know that's manny ramirez that ain't that ain't casey blake god you know he's a good player too but that's Manny Ramirez. It's a little different.
0: Like you, you were describing, like j- just coming out and then you know shaking, feeling like it was shaking, doing all that, and, and and the look of those guys. Do you ever just like how often do you you go back and think about that? Like, you know what I mean? Like, do you think about uh that one that that I don't know, just the moments? Like, can you do you consistently think about it, or is it like meh? here and there you know it
1: it it less when I retired in 2013 I I didn't think about a lot of that stuff until I was far enough removed that I didn't think I could still go do it um and and you started to reflect back on or or you catch a back of a you know a baseball card or you um you see somebody else that you know, you can relate to pitching against, you know, you know, Mike Trout or something. You're like, Oh man, I can remember facing pool holes or I can remember facing, you know, some of these guys and you're like, Oh, all right. You know, and you go back into your archives and it's, it's amazing how much you forget. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, this, we don't miss, i I really miss ripping on a baseball against a really good hitter and beating him. Mm-hmm. or, or, or getting beat, making my pitch. And he just, you know, he outproduced me in that moment, out executed me. Um, you miss more than any of that. You miss the, the clubhouse humor and the, you know, the, the, everybody's grinding and everybody's kind of, you know, laughing at the same time about the same stuff and um, fantasy football season comes along and everybody's, you know, and, and their college teams are playing well. I mean, I'm, I really would have liked to have been in a clubhouse with LSU being as good as they were this year in football. Cause I wouldn't have shut up. I would not have shut up. <laughs> so I, I don't, like, the hardest part about playing as long as, as I did, or you did, or anybody did is, is the grind when you're not out there, you know, ripping on a baseball or swinging the bat. It's, it's the, the hours of work that you put in. It's the time away from your family. It's the uncertainty of what the next week or year are going to look like. And, and that stuff wears you down. The guys that, you know, play for a long, long time, you know, maybe they've made enough that that, that part of the equation isn't uh isn't quite as heavy, but as far as like ripping through baseball and thinking about moments where I set guys up or, uh, they set me up or, or you know, picking off guys when you knew from watching them in the dugout that they were peeking in, um, while you're getting your signs, like those little moments where you just outperform somebody, you know, maybe it was wit that got them or whatever that I enjoyed. Like I knew Ryan yeah. Terry, I knew he peeked in because I watched him do it in high school. We played on the same summer team. Like, he, he's the one that said, like, yeah, you know, when they're getting their signs, you can peek in and, you know, see what the catcher's doing. And I'm like, okay, I got you. <laughs> I picked him off. I think I picked him off three times, and, and once, how, you know, Rhino missed the tag. Um, but he never – he didn't figure it out. He's like, man, that's what I do. Like, I look at you, and when you're getting your signs, you're not going to pick over. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. I am. Um, so, it was that type of stuff that I felt like um, was important. I really miss doing PFPs in spring training. Maybe yeah. I'm weird. But I really enjoyed, like, I get to show my athleticism off for a minute. Um, you know, and all you wanted was, like, a Chase Utley to be like, you know, Nux or something. <laughs> he ain't giving <laughs> the you that. you get like, that, you're like, yeah, my bad. Yeah, I made it. So um, all that stuff is just, uh, it's crazy for me to think about. I'm sure you do this, too. It's crazy for me to think that I made it. And then and I, I've done podcasts. I've talked to guys to do it from high school, not college. I would tell myself to go to college now. Yeah. I would say go play three years, maybe even four. Do not go straight from high school. But the it is in the top three rounds, it is a less than ten percent chance that a high school pitcher is gonna make it to the big mm-hmm. leagues. Like I I like math. Risk mitigation, you know, yeah, bring there that, it up. Is again. that that was the that was a boneheaded move on my part, not knowing what I needed to know. And and I made it um and 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 I'm happy for it, but thank God for living in Baton Rouge and LSU being in my backyard because I got all the upside of the networking and the maturity of guys that go to college um, without having to go to college. You know, I know there's a lot, there's a component to that that you can't um, simulate. Um, You did it, you you know, you just see a different uh, approach to everything from the guys that played and and went to school in college. I just think it's a, you know, so I, I look back and I think like, how in the hell did I pull that off? What, what, it is impossible. I, I, I have a kid, I had a kid throwing 92, 93 the other day. We we're working with him. He's out of two lane, you know, got a chance to be in these first five rounds. They're going to draft, and I'm watching the ball come out of his hand. I'm like, holy hell, that is like a thousand. Yeah, like that is so hard. Like, what that? has got to be 102. And you see, like, 92.7, you're like, yeah, I used to, I used to throw that like a lot. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. it's just bonkers to me. And I went out, I hit 82.2. Um, you know, on the rap Soto, Damn. but yeah, I still got it. But man, the hips were like, "What? Are, hey, c- homie, we, no, we ain't doing it. <laughs> no, you better off going in there and swinging a bat. Hey, um, so
0: when, when, when you like reflect upon this thing, can you remember like Lidge is what? 48 for 48 in, uh, in saves that yeah. year in 08. Yes. What was the feeling like in the pen when he came in? Like just in general, like it was consistently the same. Would you guys, you know, basically pack up? Would you like, could you mentally check out? I mean, it, what, what was the thought? Because I I look at you guys and I'm going, damn, this wasn't like a lot of uh nail biters when he came in.
1: No, he. he I'll be honest. You know, I, there were times during the year where he was absolutely, it was like nine, 10 pitch ending strikeout two, broken bat pop up a ground ball and there were times during the year where i you know i watched his you know him warm up i knew he was taxed the stuff wasn't come out in the same and he he'd still managed to go get out but it was a couple more barreled up balls you know it's just the the you know the ebb and flow of a season but down in the pen specifically in philly we we all had our spots like you know if you pitched before him you're in the dugout in the same spot you normally go to if you're out in the pen you you know you've got your your towel and your glove and your seeds or whatever it is you do. Um, everybody was just routine oriented and, and, you know, superstitious to whatever level you were. Um, but yeah, it was from center field looking right over, you know, Victorino's shoulders all on in there. It, he It was just amazing to me that the fastball and slider from the outfield looked exactly the same. Now obviously it looked the same for a hit or two, um, but you just couldn't tell. Like you sometimes you had to look up and be like, okay, that was 87. That was a slider. Um, I couldn't tell. So, but there was a confidence in you know because he was so you know how professional he is. Oh yeah, right. he was he was so professional about the way that he went went about his business. And guys that are that good, I guess I played with Chip or I played with Pudge. When those guys really take off is when you know, you make the same jokes to them as you would the 25th man on a roster mm-hmm. that you, you, you know, he was trying to show some rookie his slider grip and Matts and I had noticed he, he grips it one way in his glove and then he re-grips the ball while he's taking it out of his glove. So it goes from being like this cool, like traditional slider grip to the claw <laughs> and his thumb moves up the side and all that. And he was teaching this, this kid, the slider grip. And we were, we're just standing with our arms crossed laughing at each other. And he's like, what? Like, you think that's your slider grip, huh? Yeah, that's my slider grip. I need your slider grip. You're trying to screw this kid up, you know? And, and the kid, but then the kid can't tell because he's got two big leaguers standing next to Brad Lidge making fun of him. And he's like, is this, is this his slider grip? <laughs> um, I just think it's funny that, you know, we are able to, inside of this perfect streak, able to rib him and able to um, make fun of him, um, you know, for the you know, how loud he talks and, you know, his fantasy football prowess and, like, just there were so many ways to, you know, just be a team that didn't let a guy get too carried away. With, and we would specifically, like, if it got a little hairy, we were going to give him a harder time when we got to the field the next day than we would normally, just, just to bring him back to earth a little bit and stop yeah. thinking. Um, I think the hardest thing for really intelligent players, and he is one, is being able to separate your intelligence and your anticipation of what's going on or what other people are thinking and going out and performing the sport. Um, and, and he did a really good job of it. And when it did get away from it at times, I think that was his Achilles heel, is that he knows what Ruben Amaro is thinking. He knows what the manager is thinking because he is intelligent and he's plugged in. And I think that was, you know, thing, that those were things that we were aware of and tried to help him out with.
0: Reaction in the bullpen when Matt Stairs hit the bomb off of Broxton.
1: I gave up a home run to Casey Blake the inning before mm-hmm. to 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 put us down. And I had set up Casey and he didn't buy in. He had a cutter that didn't quite have enough on it. Um, you know, enough movement. He he barreled it up to left center and at night you gotta hit a ball. Yeah. Which brings me back to like Matt so I'm in the dugout kind of like just stewing. You know, man, I I can't let these guys down. This is a big moment. Now we're probably gonna have to play seven. You know, seven's never good. I mean, I'm again, I'm thinking through this whole process, and um, you know, Victorino gets a hit. You, you know, Victorino hit a home run, I think, off of a uh, you know, kid, black kid with a big curveball, and um, I, I believe I might have blurred them together. Then um, Chooch got on, and they bring in Broxton, or maybe Chooch hit off Broxton. But Stairs walked up there, and I remember thinking. He's going deep. Like this matches up really well for Matt Stairs, and when he hit the ball, it sounded like almost a fake, like like the old school where they tap the bats yeah. together, and <laughs> it it was like, woo, that was in my ear, and I saw the ball travel, and I remember thinking that might go out of the stadium, like there was no doubt, and and I kind of peeked back at, at Stairsy, who who was still like you know Captain Porno follow through. Um, you know, you know, drop no, the bat. Yeah. I remember watching it in the air and looking back at him and then looking back at the ball and how much further it had gone. It was almost like, you know, golf ball, like it's still carrying it, you know, and it's not coming down yet. And then the, the silence, um, you could hear our, our, our family section, you could hear our dugout and everything else just kind of went quiet. Mm-hmm. And those are like the dream scenarios on the road is to shut up the crowd and and I had just lit him up, so I was I was I was one of the happiest guys in the stadium that had happened because it let me off the hook, um, it allowed me to breathe a little bit. So Stairsy will forever in that moment be tied to a ton of negative emotions on my side. Well, that that's
0: why that's why I brought it up because great teams pick each other up. Yes, you know throughout a season, throughout whatever. And I bring that up not as a negative towards you, but as the positive. In not the only the Matt Stairs thing, but I could see him being like looking at you, not even having to say a word. Maybe he did say a word afterwards in the dugout, but just a look that he might have given you. That's like I got you.
1: Oh, oh especially you. at his age and all he had seen and done in baseball, it definitely was part of his thought process. Mm-hmm. And, you know, either rounding the bases, touching home, walking back mm-hmm. in, looking at me. At some point, he thought, I got you, Derbs. And it wasn't just yeah. about like
0: the team part. It was an individual friend, like a, a friendship, a teammate, a perfect, like the camaraderie that you guys had individually, that look, that's all it took.
1: Oh, it's the same look that if I see him today, like there's still, you know, the, 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 the celebrations we've had um, of 08 and 09 seasons, the reunions in 18 and 19, you know, just, just getting around him, you know, that's, that's our, you know, we have a ton of other things in common, you know, and and that we talk about and all that stuff. Um, but that specifically, yeah, I, I don't think I, we don't have to bring it up. It is an understood like, tie. I know. tie. <laughs> yes. You saved, you saved my butt. Mm-hmm. Um, and I won't forget it. And he's just, he, he's that guy that, that understood the, the, uh, I guess the chemistry and emotions that are so important to baseball you know, as a hitting coach, as a player, you know, he's just, I really enjoyed Stairzy And and man, good pickup, Pat Gillick. That a boy Um <laughs> helped me out. <laughs>
0: All right. Before I let you go, you, you want to play the game?
1: What's the game? Oh, I'm, I'm
0: glad you asked. It's called waffle or not here on pine tar for breakfast podcast. Ooh, like Did it. this hitter waffle you <laughs> or not? Are you in?
1: I'm in, 100%. Okay. All right, so. Waffle.
0: Oh, uh, waffling doesn't just mean like a homer. It means just straight-up ownage, right? Like, you're yeah. you're not giving up little, you know, bleeders there here were and there.
1: very few guys that didn't own me,
0: so this uh-huh. is waffles okay. for
1: breakfast. Go ahead.
0: How about Cal Ripken Jr.?
1: Wa- he, he waffled me. I yeah, think yeah, he hard.
0: waffled you. He was four for six with three bombs
1: off you. He shot hey, so, you three times. Quit <laughs> Three times, was it? Yeah, three. So, Here's what's funny is Richie Dower was our first our third base coach, first base coach. Third base coach in in Kansas City. Um while while Cal was there and he knew Jim Palmer really well and I had, I kept throwing Cal these crappy sliders and breaking balls. And, and I had 93 94 that would kind of uh jump through the zone, probably had high spin rates, all that crap. Um and, and so Richie Dower's like, "Hey, I got a guy who wants to talk to you." No, this was in Camden, you know, yard. So he grabs me and I promise I won't tell a story after everyone, but this one is Cal Ripken Jr. And it's pretty and Jim Palmer. And and Jim I mean, Palmer. It's just, so <laughs> he I walk out into the hallway and Jim Palmer, who who is, a, you know, did did, you know, the games for him there. He said, what, what do you think Cal Ripken Jr. is thinking when you're when you're pitching to him? And I was like, uh, I don't know, man, he's, you know, he's, yeah, he's Cal Ripley Jr. He goes, here's the deal. He's old. Like, he, you are not going to throw a breaking ball that he hasn't seen. He's seen every breaking ball anybody could ever throw. Um, do you think you're going to surprise him with your breaking ball? And it might be good. It might not be. Um, but, no, what he hasn't seen is the life on a 22-year-old's fastball. Hmm. Like, he, he, he sees those, but he doesn't see them. And he's old. He just can't get to it the same way he can get to the breaking ball. And so he was probably four for four with three bombs at one point. And the next two at bats off me were pop-ups to first base <laughs> on fastballs on the inner half of the plate. And on my way back into the dugout after the first pop-up, Jim Jim Palmer was standing up in the booth pointing at me. And like that's I mean, I dude, until you said that I had forgotten about that whole scene. Yeah, apologize. Right. No, that's awesome. No, that's, yeah, that's apologize. You know, my mom, I was so here's here's another quick and I, I know you got timelines on this stuff but no, i really don't so will clark was Whoa. one of my heroes growing up still mine he
0: invited he invited me to his uh retirement or the uh the number retirement party this year
1: god he saw he didn't invite me and i'm from the same area as him yeah. so you well, know, consider I mean, yourself
0: we're, we're we're close i still text him it's amazing
1: <laughs> i do too anytime that something <laughs> comes up i i fire at him will's great like uh, a guy that he's good buddies with bill daly in town he's a hitting coach he uh he actually works with k who's 12 this is first year doing stuff with him and he's just a mental skills guy it's awesome so anyway will is the next guy up behind cal the first time that i faced them and will clark early in his career was kind of a prick so he'll tell you i was an asshole i was terrible um so we played his brother's team his younger brother's team in high school and my dad ask will clark he's all by himself there's nobody around him he asked will hey my son idolizes you um is there any way i could get an autograph there's nobody really around and this had to be february because spring training hadn't started yet right Mm -hmm. um and this is it could have been the strike year this is right 94 95 96 it's somewhere in there probably 95 so he could have been home because of that stuff but anyway beside the point my dad asked him for the autograph and will says like 10 bucks and my dad said, You can take that autograph and shove it up your butt. And and he told me about it. And I remember thinking I just stood over it. I'm like, man, if I ever get the chance, I'm drilling that dude. I'm 92.7 off his ribs. It's happening. Um, so that Orioles lineup had Albert Bell and Brady Anderson and all those guys. Well, Cal and then Will, you know, Clark right after him. So Cal hits a curveball for a home run, and while it's in the air, I'm literally thinking that Cal Ripken just hit a home run off me, which is kind of cool. But now I can't hit Will Clark <laughs> because I'm a rookie and these are dudes and there's just no allowance for it. And Jeff Rebele played on my team who played with Will and knew him really well. And Jeff Rebele says after, you know, because I told him, I said, man, I, I was supposed to drill Will right there. He said, "Why? who told you to drill Will Clark? And I was like, me. My I told man. him the story. He goes, he, he goes, he's not the same guy as he was back then." I'm going to introduce you all after the game. Go, you know, go about your business, son. So I, I go do all I, after the game we meet and he laughs about it. He's like, I would have drilled me too. And, and we just kind of, you know, connected there and the next day he's playing first and he's making all these little gestures to me. I mean, we, you know, he was cool. I mean, he was back to being my idol. Let's put it that way. So um, that combo meal right there, of will uh, will Clark, Cal Ripken owning me. If Cal doesn't own me, none of that stuff plays out. That is awesome. Now, see, that? That,
0: that's the stuff that I need to hear.
1: That's good podcast stuff. You need to rope that into like the beginning of this thing. Oh, I, I, maybe up. I will. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. Yeah, maybe, maybe
0: it's a tease for people.
1: That's correct.
0: Uh, Okay, we're going to stick to waffle. waffle or not?
1: Waffle. Yes,
0: Maglio Ordóñez. Waffle. <laughs> <laughs> I, he, I was, he was he was six for nine off the early. This one is. This one's pretty awesome he's 12 for 17 (laughs) in his career with uh he shot you three times that's a 706 average with a 2162 ops
1: that's all all your advanced metrics yeah i played with him in uh 06 and 7 with the, the with the tigers and i faced him in 08 spring training and carved him up punched him out three times so there's a little bit in there where I did get him out, but it didn't matter. But he owned. No, no. He, no. Oh, he was so good in so 99 good. So, to 2000. Such a good hitter. Oh my God. He's the best. All right. Frenchie. Okay.
0: Jeff Francoeur.
1: I owned him. I think he won for 19 off me or something. Two for 20. Two for 20. You got to hit late. Okay.
0: Yeah. You got to hit late. Uh, and I can actually find <laughs> that out here, right on baseball reference reference.com. I appreciate them for this. Uh, uh, in his career, his last hit was in, uh, 11 regular season. He okay. Was in Kansas city. You're in Cleveland. Yep. Single to center field. And then you walked him <laughs> in
1: 13 and then you struck him out swinging. He was probably the only guy I got out in 13. So I'll have to, I'm going to get thanked for that.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. For sure.
1: So he's, uh, he's one of the, my, one of my favorite guys I ever watched play and um there's because there's of your joy well i knew i was going to get him out but no i, I just liked the, the the person he was but i never got to befriend him because there's no way you're going to take that as an out for me right Yeah. so i could never be like hey uh introduce me and in, and Frenchie because i was getting him out and you know that's i'll take it but I love what a it. fantastic human i love it um
0: okay so we're going to stick on to let's go with uh one of my favorites growing up was Kenny Lofton. Loved him.
1: What do you got? I'm, he was part of that lineup where it was him, Viskill, Alomar, Tommy, Manny Ramirez, Vaughn gone. Like, I'm going to say he was one of the guys that got out. I, I don't know.
0: Uh, he was four for 19. He shot you twice, but that's not
1: Woffledge. Like, four no, for that, 19. I'm going to go with you owned him. I owned him. He got. I, I'm in his book. I mean, everybody wins there. You know? Yeah, it, it's a win-win,
0: but, but. I'm going to give, I'm going to give you the, uh, the head, you know, the leg up on that one.
1: We almost got in a fight. Um, Mm -hmm. he threw a little chicken wing. I covered first. He he pulled a bunt with him. Um, you know, our second baseman, you know, Sweeney went after the ball. He wasn't a very good first baseman and I got to first base first and he threw a chicken wing, um, at me and I followed him down the line talking about, you know, throwing elbows and, uh, and I was young. I was probably 22, but yeah. Uh after that, I feel like he had a, re- a level of respect for me which is I guess what you you want somebody to stand up to you, you just don't want to get in the fight. So. No doubt. Um, no yeah, doubt. he was uh he was fun to watch, man. What a hell of an athlete.
0: How about this one? Okay, you're going to go deep into the archives on this one. Matt Stairs.
1: Who I think I I I got to say I own Stairs. Oh, with one for 12 off you. <laughs> yeah. I feel bad because you know why would you ever the aforementioned bad? the aforementioned, uh, bail me out of Philly jail, uh, so to speak, with the home run off Broxton, you know. Yeah, um, but see, but no, like, I don't. Here, here's that. the
0: deal: like before he got traded over to Philly, he was over three against you, Toronto, Philly, with two punchies, one looking, one swinging that year. So he yeah. was like, I mean, you were in his oh, dish. Man. I can't believe he actually helped you. <laughs>
1: At, you know what? That's a testament to the type of guy I must be in the clubhouse. Because in spite of all that,
0: well, you're still... jerk.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love it, Stairsy. Thank all you. Right.
0: Stairs-y. And the last one for
1: you, myself. Ooh, I think what, you're like two for four off me. You no, got? I'm
0: zero for three, buddy.
1: Zero for oh. three.
0: You're the only one in the uh, in the Braves, like, rotation or, or bullpen that year that could get – well, yeah, Craig Kimball, too, but uh, well, they could get me out different. because I raked against you guys. But I do remember my at-bats. Okay. My, first start, yeah, I like my first start as a Philly was Roy Holliday was pitching on a Sunday in, in Atlanta. It was hotter than hell. Oh, I had yeah. two knocks against Hudson. You came in, roll over to the shortstop. Boom, that was my first one. Uh the next time in Philly Hudson was pitching that day. How about crazy is that? Two for four or two for three at the time or two for two for two at the time. You come out and I swing, I think it was like the second pitch. I'm I just I remember it. I thought I shot you. I thought I went deep down the line.
1: <laughs> Caught at the wall. Oh. Yeah. See that in Philly it's probably gone. You said no, we were right, in it was Atlanta? in Philly. It was in oh, okay. Philly. Yeah. So I didn't oh, remember really that. Re- I do remember that.
0: Yeah. And then I and then I just hit like a, I, I I was playing, you know, team baseball and running at second base, nobody out. Got him over. That was huge. I still remember that. Same series. Uh but those are, you know, you I didn't waffle you. You waffled me. And so I I tip my cap. One of my favorite teammates this was awesome. I appreciate you playing waffle or not there, Chad Durbin.
1: Dude, I really appreciate you reaching out. And, and if I can help in any way, I love doing this stuff. You're fantastic at it. I appreciate it. What a great teammate. And, and, and you're really good at what you're doing now, too. So, Well, I appreciate
0: um, that. But this is not about me. This is about the world champion, Chad Durbin. And I appreciate you coming on Pine Tar for breakfast.
1: Appreciate it. Awesome.
0: This Pine Tower for Breakfast is brought to you by McDonald's. Open and ready to serve your favorites. Download their app today for some daily deals at participating McDonald's. Chad Durbin is and was amazing. Another great episode of Pine Tower for Breakfast. I am Kevin Franzen, at Kevin Franzen on Twitter. Let me know your thoughts, comments, questions, anything. Let's get going. And the next guest might be someone else from the 08 team. Or it could not be. I don't know, but it's your choice to tune back in to pine tar for breakfast. Cause that is the most amazing thing to do. I appreciate you. Keep flattening the curve.
1: Peace.